Hello, this is Dr. Lauren Castle, and today we'll be mapping medication management on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected. We are all unique and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Lauren Castle. Dr. Lauren Castle is the founder of the Functional Medicine Pharmacists Alliance and a virtual consultant pharmacist with Farm to Table. She received her PharmD from Ohio Northern University, her Master of Science in Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine from the University of Western States, and Applied Functional Medicine Certification from the School of Applied Functional Medicine. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to finally connect with you. I've been watching you and all that you're doing. And this topic of medication management is really critical for all of us to understand. So when you say medication management, what does that actually mean? So as a pharmacist, our bread and butter really does revolve around medications that patients are taking. And from a functional perspective, there are similarities and differences between how we might approach medication management from a more conventional perspective. So pharmacists are experts in something called medication therapy management, which traditionally is done using a sort of template where we go through and create a medication list, we look for medication-related problems, and then we formulate a medication action plan. And from a functional perspective, we can take that same framework, but overlay our functional framework on top of it. So really just going through it with more of a detailed lens and that knowledge that we have through a functional perspective, whether that be things like nutrient depletions that are caused by medications or genetic polymorphisms that we might be looking at for pharmacogenomics, some of these additional services that a pharmacist or practitioner could offer. Mm, I love how you talked about it as an overlay and the things that you're mentioning, the functional genomics and those nutrient depletions. Are there also issues related to I'm going to use the word compliance, although I don't prefer that word. I always think there's an education piece missing, but are there behavioral components that are also part of the management milieu, so to speak? Absolutely. We like to use the word adherence in the pharmacy world. That kind of implies that it's not so much just 
you know, complying to what your practitioner says, but really sticking to a plan, right? We know for any plan to work, the patient actually needs to stick with it long enough to see those results. And so we like the word adherence in the pharmacy world. I like that word too. So when we think about the antecedents and potentially those functional genomic factors, how are you bringing that into your mindset when you're looking at certain medications? Sure. So pharmacogenomics is an area that's really exploded in the last few years. Traditionally, it started out as just very few medications that we would actually run pharmacogenomic tests for. But in today's world, the tests are becoming much more useful. We see a lot of patients that are on, especially things like psychiatric medications, where you're kind of just, you know, throwing a dart at the dartboard to see what sticks. And we know that using pharmacogenomic testing can be very helpful in being able to optimize that medication Sort of like we say in the functional world, test, don't guess. It definitely applies to medication use as well. Can you give us some good examples there, what you might see in the testing? I've seen some of this testing as well, especially as you noted, related to mental health disorders. But what might you see that would put a pause on the medication being recommended or shift the medication being recommended? Yeah, so it really comes down to our CYP enzymes, right? So things like 2C19 is an example for the medication citalopram. And people who are poor metabolizers are going to be less likely to tolerate that particular drug. And so we might see more side effects coming from it, things like that. And so if we're able to look at the patient's metabolism by all of these different enzymes and what drugs they correlate with, then we're able to sort of predict how they might respond, whether it's going to be having more side effects or potentially not having much of an effect at all. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. And when we think about the left side of the matrix, moving from the antecedents to more of the triggers and the mediators, you mentioned those drug-nutrient interactions. Are there particular things that are known in the field of pharmacology that you're always just bringing to play? And are there things that you've found in practice that come about for your patients? Interestingly enough, this area is something that also has become very popular, but it's certainly not a new science. We've known for a long time that many of our most common medications have drug-induced nutrient depletions associated with them. Ones that we even learn in pharmacy school are things like metformin, which depletes vitamin B12, or things like our statins, which deplete CoQ10, as well as different diuretics, which might deplete calcium or zinc or potassium or magnesium or thiamine. So tons of different nutrients. And so it's really all about kind of mirroring and matching up. Not only what does it say on paper in terms of knowing that a drug might be potentially depleting a nutrient, but also matching that back by listening to what the patient is complaining about in terms of symptoms. So For a patient who, you know, potentially is on metformin, like we said, we know that they could have B12 deficiency, 
But we also know that metformin in and of itself can cause some of these different symptoms that mirror B12 deficiency, right? So things like that numbness or tingling. And so how do you know which is which? Is it truly because of B12 deficiency or is it simply a side effect of their metformin and their diabetes complications? And so that's where, again, you may have to do some testing in order to really ascertain that and help the patient come to a conclusion. So we don't want them necessarily stopping a medication that is helping them, you know, if their disease process is pretty far along, but we also want to be able to recommend the right supplements and not overlook something that could be having a different cause. Yeah, I love that you're talking about this, Lauren, because this is the area where I feel like I, as a functional medicine nutritionist, have a little bit more influence, and it's understanding some of those better-known interactions or depletions that can occur, and that becomes part of my matrix of understanding of the individual because, of course, these depletions, that B12, magnesium, potassium, those are things that are already depleted in most Americans, particularly magnesium and potassium. And that could be leading to further symptoms that then become difficult to untangle. So it's not my job to address somebody's medications, but it's my job to understand the implications of the medications on the full body systems. Absolutely. And I absolutely love having nutritionists and pharmacists and practitioners all being able to work together. Because, you know, certainly sometimes the strengths might be different in one area or the other. And so, you know, a lot of times that pharmacist might be needing to refer out to a nutritionist to say, okay, we've identified some of these deficiencies, but they really need help in, you know, managing their diet to also try to address it instead of just using a supplement. How can we also find those nutrients in food as well? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And it does take a team approach. I think that we're missing out on those opportunities. It's not a one and done when it comes to having a practitioner. So really appreciate that you recognize that. When it comes to race, ethnicity, size, gender, age, are there different ways that we could or should be thinking about medication management that are not necessarily fully taken into account? I was going to say in the literature, but they probably are recognized in the literature, but maybe there's sometimes a leap or a gap from literature to practice. And I don't know if I'm saying that right, but is there a difference that we should be paying heed to with those factors? I think that really circles back to a functional approach as well, right? Because we know that we're going to really look at each person as an individual. And so while there can be some differences, certainly between how men and women metabolize drugs, you know, I think one of my favorite researchers is Stacey Sims, and she always says that women are not small men. You know, it really does just come down to treating each person as an individual. And so looking at their history, looking at their genetics, as we've already mentioned, and being able to really individualize any dosing or any medication choices that we might have for those patients. 
Yeah, it makes sense. And if we go to the right side of the functional nutrition matrix, all those lifestyle factors, I'm imagining with medication as well, these impact things, you mentioned the nutrition, right? Like what can we do with food, not just supplement, but where we may be leaning on medication to address a deficiency that could be addressed through not just supplementation, but diet and lifestyle modification that we're putting a Band-Aid on with medication. Absolutely. And I think that's really where deprescribing is another area that pharmacists have so much to offer in terms of a functional approach. Because for a lot of patients that we see, especially for those of us that are from the conventional world or retail pharmacy, they certainly are at a point in their disease process where they need, you know, the heavy duty drugs to be able to manage those disease states. But over time, as we introduce more lifestyle change and nutrition and movement, stress management, all of these things, and we start to see their conditions improving, that's where we really can start to see increased side effects from their medications, right? Because now their health is in a better place than it was. And so often we see patients who end up on 5, 10, or 15 medications, and they just stay on them forever. And no practitioner actually takes the time to really evaluate that list and say, well, who put you on this? And when did you get started on it? And why are you still on it today? And for a lot of patients, they are just conditioned to continue taking the medications as they're told, which we do want them to do that. But then at some point, someone has to kind of press pause and take a more holistic look at it and say, okay, where are we at now, again, from a disease perspective, and what medications can we potentially decrease or stop altogether at this point? And that's especially true, again, if there are side effects that we're noticing, and sometimes the medications themselves can be causing those side effects, especially as we've improved on the disease state process. So it's kind of a balance. Yeah. I mean, I always try to encourage our students that that's more of our job. Like the doctor's job or the pharmacist's job is going to be to evaluate the medication. We shift the terrain in which the person is taking medication. So as you said, there may no longer be a need for that medication because it's not necessary to do what it was doing before. I have so many questions for you, Lauren. The next one I'm thinking about is how you see the use of self prescribed over-the-counter medications like PPIs, when you're working with medication management, are you seeing people come in with some of the medications that their provider prescribed, some that they're prescribing themselves, prescribed being a wrong use of the word there, but they're self-prescribing, and then the other things that we're doing as well. Where do the OTC medications come into the picture? Oh, goodness. The OTCs are absolutely a huge point of conversation. You know, one thing that as a pharmacist, we're always trying to do is get the whole list of medications. It's very easy for us to look and see, you know, what you've picked up at the pharmacy. But oftentimes patients do come in on so much more than just the prescriptions. And so the OTCs are absolutely an area that we have to evaluate. You mentioned PPIs. They are ubiquitous, unfortunately, in the world today, being so easy to purchase. And a lot of patients, again, 
don't realize that it's something that is only designed for very short-term use unless they are being treated for, you know, a more specific condition under the guidance of their actual physician. But absolutely, whether it's PPIs or NSAIDs, acetaminophen, you know, so many things that are definitely detrimental to our gut microbiome. And so it's a matter of being able to have those conversations. And, you know, that's part of what that medication review process was that we talked about at first is really getting the full picture so that we can understand all of the different therapies the patient is taking and then be able to help educate them. Because most patients assume that because you can purchase something over the counter, it's got to be safe, right? Otherwise, why would they put it over the counter? And the same thing goes for supplements too. Oftentimes we assume that, oh, well, if it's a supplement and I can buy it over the counter, it's got to be safe. So it should be fine. But as I've kind of moved more into the functional space from the conventional space, I've actually seen what we call polypharmacy, but also polysupplement happening very frequently where patients will come in on a whole laundry list of supplements and not realizing that a lot of them have overlapping ingredients or duplicate ingredients or you know interacting ingredients. And so just as much as with the OTC medications, we also look at those supplements and try to decide what is truly needed for the patients, what's actually helping and what things we can de-prescribe. Yeah, it's so important. We have a supplement tracker that in practice we use early on because like you said, people stay on things for too long and often for the wrong reasons. They take something that somebody's recommended even in a blog or an online summit and they start taking it and they don't know why they're taking it. They don't know what it's doing. So stepping back and getting that full assessment is really key. Lauren, I know you're leading a movement of change or helping to, is it changing? Is pharmacology in the industry changing to understand things more from a functional perspective? I think it's really exciting right now. There's been tremendous change within the profession of pharmacy over the years. I've been a practicing pharmacist myself for almost 10 years now. And, you know, when I first became a pharmacist, there was just so many things that I've seen shift in these last 10 years. And patients themselves are becoming much more aware of their health and their autonomy and how their choices impact their ultimate disease state progression. And so it's just really taking that time back. And sometimes it can be hard in, you know, a busy pharmacy setting, but for me, it's just really about asking those questions and opening up that dialogue with a patient to kind of assess, you know, their understanding and, and just asking simple questions like, you know, has your doctor ever told you that you may be able to decrease your medications by changing your diet? You know, simple things like that. And some patients are really surprised to even hear that because no one had taken the time to explain that. but. Whenever a pharmacist kind of steps in and just takes that pause to introduce these concepts, most of the time they're very receptive to it. And so I think it's been a great journey and 
we've gone from, you know, seeing this being sort of fringe, I think, originally, whenever I first discovered functional medicine, they were just building the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. And so being from Ohio, I kind of was like, okay, well, if Cleveland Clinic is doing this, and I think there must be something <laughs> to it. So now, of course, there's so much more research. We've actually been able to even publish a paper in one of our pharmacy journals around functional medicine. And we have, you know, an entire group of pharmacists now, almost 2000 that are actively pursuing this as the new way of practicing pharmacy. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lauren, for joining me and for leading the charge here along with others to make this change, to bring more awareness. And I look forward to watching and supporting more of what you do. Thank you so much. The 15-Minute Matrix is hosted and produced by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The podcast is edited and mixed by Brian Paik of Pacific Audio, and special thanks to Natalie Merrill, Alia Hale, Pamela Geismar, and Rowan Bradley for their support in making the 15-Minute Matrix possible. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to see the completed functional nutrition matrix that accompanies today's or any episode, be sure to head over to the podcast website. Again, that's 15minutematrix.com. We love when you share our episodes with your friends and colleagues, leave a review and rate the show. That helps us to grow our collective message that functional nutrition is the future of healthcare. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Functional Nutrition Alliance, and you can follow me at Andrea Nakayama. And if you or someone you know is interested in becoming a functional nutrition counselor, head over to fxnutrition.com to learn more about our Full Body Systems program. Full Body Systems is our 10-month immersion course where you'll learn the systems-based approach to addressing the root causes of your clients' issues through client education, diet, and lifestyle modification. Again, you can always learn more at fxnutrition.com.